0: This is Bragg, son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit. No calls for aid. And Bragg shall answer. Amandine, welcome back to Like the Beacons, a loco podcast, focusing on the transferable MMORPG, Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of John Tolkien. This is episode 41, and I am your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, survivor of the Long Night and Dwarf of Ill Repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, like the Beacon's Middle-Earth White Headquarters, atop the Yale Heights in the Shire, the site of many a Shire Sicklefly sickle Slayer Deed, Sickleflayer Sly Deed, say that five times fast. Uh, let's have a look around, shall we, While we're uh, while we're here? Let me see, off to the east, I can see the Stock Tower, uh, to the southeast I can see the uh, the edges of Bamferlong farmer maggot's house I can just see the lights of Woodhall penetrating the trees to my southwest uh, off to the west purely farmlands descending into the distance towards uh, you know towards uh, uh, you know the, the great hall of took or whatever you call it um, yes Tuckborough. And uh, I can just see, let me see, uh, Budgeford across the river, the river crossing and um, maybe, maybe some of the, the halls of stock. Not exactly to the Golden Perch, it's obscured by some trees, but it's, um, it's a beautiful night here in the Shire. There's a soft light in the sky, although many stars still visible. Um, I'm perched among the ruins here on the Yale Height. Obviously, uh, f- left over from the kingdom of Arnor when it was here. And uh, the weather's beautiful. The trees are beautiful. The flowers are beautiful. The rolling hills are beautiful. Butterflies, sheep, bleh. I hate just about every minute of it. Well, not every minute, but give me a hard slab of granite over my head anytime. I mean, where's the dampness? Where's the moss? Where's the beautiful dark? And where's the claustrophobia? What can be shaped from these beautiful hills except more hills? What I want to know is what kind of rock is under these hills? Let's dig a tunnel down and see what we can see, huh? Anyway, the history here, if you can call it that, could barely fill ten minutes of your time compared to the wonder of Nagrad, Erebor, or Kazadum. But But uh, there's a reason we'll hear, and we'll check back in on it a little later in the podcast. In preparation for that, we're cracking an ale. This is going to be an ale-filled episode, and there's a reason for that, too. But we'll find all that out a little later in the podcast. Right now, let's move on to our second beacon. Uh, that was kind of a double beacon. That was a Slurpy beacon. So... Let's review our agenda. First, it's time for CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week, and it's a long list. Last episode, we offended Middle-earth cartographers, Grima fans, a very small category. Hey, shut up! Uh, Ori, DDO crafters, Marvel heroes, inventory sorters, uh, Forikel grim hunters, Farmer's Fair egg munchers, cosmetic animal headwearers, and... Lotro players without a shred of ethics, morals, or integrity, often called elves. (laughs) And to you all, except for the elves, I issue a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, Viewer comments, uh, nothing on the podcast this week, but Braxwolf tweeted in to say he enjoyed uh, my segment on work-life balance, ethics, and integrity. This coming from a guy that's known to do 24-hour gaming binges. Okay, so it's for charity. Big deal. Go support his Extra Life campaign if you get a chance. Uh, community Spotlight. Of special note, it came to my attention in the last few weeks that the back catalog of LTB episodes available on iTunes was limited. Yes, you're right, you heard me. Limited. I blame Grima. That's what you get for leaving that responsibility to a waxen-complected, flaccid-spined Nimrod. The lack of clamor for them is what I attribute to this going on for so long. But after much research, I found a faulty Fetzer valve in my WordPress settings, and we seem to have gotten everything straightened out. So much like the Beatles catalog, all back episodes of LTB should now be available on iTunes for your listening pleasure. A mighty wrong has been corrected. Uh, Don't all rush out there at once. Forums Insider. I did see a couple... um, a couple threads out there regarding lag, uh, especially on Brandywine, and uh, you know players brought it up in a very negative, unhealthy context, pointing at uh, Turbine devs and QA and saying they should be ashamed of themselves. Um, turbine is to blame for this. You know, don't pick out individuals at Turbine. Uh, I'm sure they're doing the best they can, but. You can't apologize for the fact that they are consolidating before the hardware upgrades are complete in some circumstances, and I think servers like Brandywine are starting to feel the brunt of that. Um, it's unfortunate. I'm not sure why they couldn't put off the transfers until, uh, until the hardware upgrades were complete, but uh, I'm hoping that the amount of inconvenience is limited in terms of duration, um, they did open up transfers for another two servers this week. I think it was Alendelminer and Estel. Although looking at it at the pace they're going, if they started to do two servers—one European and one American—a week, uh, Vilia, which is on the bottom of the list, would not be gotten to until late November-ish. And they're starting to push into the time frame under which I would assume they would be releasing Update 17, Minas Tirith, uh before end of year. From all discussions previously. So, I hate to make this prediction but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I feel a delay coming in the Minas earth release. I think uh, there's just a little too much uh, tinkering that has to go on with the transfers to get them to work. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they're doing that poorly, that, that, that needs to be done. Most of the transfers, I think although slow, if you tried to do it exactly when they opened up for a specific server, have been working correctly with. but it's required some tinkering And the schedule of releasing servers to be transferred is is not going out as quickly as I thought it would these first few weeks. And given that, I think they're going to want all that out of the way and celebrate update 17 with everything consolidated and on the new hardware updates to give it the attention that it deserves. And my prediction is that that may get pushed into January at this point. Which would be unfortunate. It would be great to have it before the holidays specifically. And there's still a chance of that. But I'm starting to get a little concerned. We'll get there though. Come 2016. It's going to be a brighter. Gayer game environment for all of us. And using that term. I'm going to take a big. Swig of ale. Um, So. In this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in these game in-game these past few weeks. We're going to review the, the topic of class trade points, where to get them, and what the problem is with them. Uh, something we've touched on in the past, but I think needs to be reinforced. We're going to take a fresh look at Middle-earth lore from a totally inebriated perspective. <laughs> And if there's any time remaining, we have rescheduled our long-forgotten friend, Lindsay Buckingham, for a chat. So with that, let's move on to our third beacon. Okay, so what have we been doing in the world of gaming these past couple weeks? Well, outside of Lutro, first of all, I did take on and complete the game of Portal and uh i know this game has been out for years and most of you have probably already played it if you haven't do yourself a favor for the amount that you can get it for now on steam which is basically a song um it is definitely worth playing through i even liked how short it was it basically took two play sessions first one a couple hours you know there's 19 levels total And in the first two or three hours, I got through the first 16 levels. (laughs) And then levels 17, 18, and 19 are as long as all the rest of them combined. So it kind of um, protracts at the end. But for an interesting reason, and this game is fun. I like how short it was, actually. I like that I could finish playing it in five or six hours. Um, What's great about it is the simplicity of the game mechanics. It's a great it's a great idea done right and they didn't overcomplicate it they slowly add complexity so that they can lure you along um, it's just challenging enough that it doesn't get frustrating but it's fun to figure out and it's, it's well paced and I've talked before about the the dialogue that, uh, that comes along with the gameplay uh, from the central computer which is sending you through these tests uh, basically using a portal gun which uh, creates kind of dimensional, uh, dimensional gates that you can travel through to to go from, you know, instantaneously from one physical space to another, uh, leads you through this game grid where you can uh, basically use those portals in inventive ways to navigate the the tests that are put before you. And the dialogue from the main computer that leads you along is hilarious. It's it's extremely well done. It's entertaining. It makes you want to stop and pause and listen to it, um, you know, before moving on from the gameplay to to make sure you don't miss anything. Um, you know, would the game ne- be nearly as fun without the lore angle of what's going on behind the scenes, why you're there, and the mystery behind it? No, I think that's a good part. That's a good part of it. Um, so it had me up late two nights getting getting done, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Didn't need any help. Didn't need any lookups. Got stuck maybe once or twice. Um, died a few times in the in the, en- the levels towards the end uh, that get a little bit more complicated. But uh, yeah, just a good bounce, just a really good balance in terms of challenge and fun, and looking forward to Portal 2, which I hear is a much longer game, but a little more complicated, adds a little more um, complexity, as you would imagine, but has that same tone. So, looking forward to playing Portal 2 sometime over the next few weeks. DDO, I've actually been playing a little bit of DDO. You know, i got to say, once I found out they had a daily dice, it started me logging in on a more regular basis to get that experience and whatever that, uh, wherever that uh, hobbit present might be for DDO. So this past week I ran a dungeon that I found, just located, called the Vile Apothecary, uh, which is um, pr- is one that we're supposed to prevent poisoning of the city's water supply by some kind of evil drow and it's listed as an extra-long dungeon, level 4, which is what I am. Difficulty was uh, you know, pretty high overall for uh, compared to some of the other dungeons I've played in, and it definitely was longer. Um, it was a little disappointing. They had a quest locked behind a door that was only breakable with um, either an unlock bell, which you bought from the store, a fireball, which comes from a level 5 character, <laughs> or 18 strength, and I had none of those things. Uh, I eventually did figure out a solution to this. Um, I had 25 uh, turbine points from something I did in the game that awarded me some points. Um, And for the price of 15 points in the store, I was able to uh, buy a hireling, a level 5 wizard who was able to fireball the door down for me. But I was a little disappointed that the whole dungeon was gated behind um, a requirement for... uh, For either a higher level tune, which I did not have, or or spending points in the store. But be that as it may, um, having the level 5 wizard along helped immeasurably in speeding up the remains of the dungeon. Uh, I had to learn a lesson or two about freezing my hireling in place and then calling him to teleport to my side to avoid him getting acid baths. Uh, At one point he walked through a giant vat of acid to follow me jumping stump to stump and uh, he perished. Um, you know, I thought as a cleric I'd be able to reincarnate him, but maybe I haven't learned that spell yet. I'm not sure. Um, but I just had to dismiss him and then resummon him again, which caused me to wait for about five minutes. Anyway, it was one of the cooler dungeons I've done in the game. It is a bit long. I'd like them shorter. And right now I'm still level four, rank 19. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what rank 19 means. I think it means... Uh, that I might be close to level 5, but I'm really not sure. (laughs) My list of DDO questions is long. I started to write them down the other day to submit them to DDO players, and I filled up a page in a matter of moments. I think they could spend a whole episode talking about my questions. Um, I wish they... uh, did discuss noob stuff a little more on that podcast and maybe if i submit those questions to them it will do that or maybe they'll invite me on to talk through all this stuff cuz um uh, i you know even though i've played a turbine game in lotro and there are similarities in some cases there's so much uniqueness I, that i think is not self-evident and i guess what i'm resisting really is going out to the forums and doing research on each of these things i'm sure all the answers are out there on the internet i'm just being lazy just because i'm not playing the game enough to want to do the research. I'd rather have the game implicitly hand me the detail I need in order to be effective, and it's just not doing that, so that's a little bit frustrating. I might play it a little more if it did. Um, Of course, if I played a little bit more, I might go look up the stuff on the internet and solve it myself, but just being lazy and apathetic dwarf, as you know. In the secret world, I ran into the end of the story in um, Kingsmith before heading to the Savage Coast. But the problem is, how do you know when you're ready for the Savage Coast without level progression? Will it just tell me when I'm ready? Or will I get an in-game email of some sort? How do they measure it exactly, since there's no levels? I'm pretty sure it has to do with the amount of progression I've made on the ability wheel. Uh, but I don't know when to gauge if the game will tell me when I'm ready to move on. Right now, I feel I've seen most of Kingsmith, and I'd be happy to move on to the Savage Coast. But... I think it told me that I should probably adventure a bit more before I do. So the question is, how much will I have to do in Kingsmith before I move on? And right now, that's not evident either. Um, Again, I'm sure a simple Google search would point it out for me, but I wish it was a little more explained in the game. Didn't play any Marvel Heroes this past couple weeks. Uh, Let's talk about Lotro a little bit. Uh, so, Bragg did some minor PVMP outings. Most of the time, he just took a chill pill and remained still, Phil. Um, one thing I did do that was kind of nostalgic today, I, uh, I, no- I got notified that my house needed maintenance. And I made uh, maintenance payments, uh, which I typically do a few months out, until January 2nd. And uh, by January 2nd, billy will be closed. So, that maintenance money... Will not be required. And uh, said those are the last maintenance payments I'll ever make God, Villian. <laughs> uh, more beer. Okay, enough with the nostalgia. Um, Björning actually went out, I think he's still like level, oof, what's hip pulled, 85? So he must be like level 82. Uh, actually healed a dark delvings run. And uh, you know, with a bunch of tunes a raid between level 60 and level 85, maybe 190 hunter, and boy, that Gervand is still one bad mofo because um, he wiped a group of you know significantly over level toons at one point. And uh, you know, I, I, you know that we didn't have a classic healer, so I was running in healing stance in the Bjorning, trying to practice that for groups. There's basically. Like one major heal in each stance and one oh-crappish button. Um, one of the best things to do is when you can get close enough to do a Savage Maul, um, that does an AoE heal to all the people around you. But that requires getting in melee range, which obviously opens you up for um, you know some significant damage in some cases. So that's limited in how it can be used. I think using the Bjorni as a healer is going to be okay for three mans. Maybe for six-mans, if you're a bit over-leveled, can't see it ever happening in a raid or a serious six-man. So probably limited to three-man runs and maybe an occasional six-man if the rest of the group is strong and you have a cappy. It's my best guess. Um, so in that run, we had a rage quinner that pretended to go link dead and uh, and then never returned. And... Um, We figured out that he was a rage quitter because about a week later he did the same thing with another group and they were complaining about it the forums. I had to tell him, oh, yeah, that guy. I remember. The first time we died or ran into any kind of trouble, he pretended to go LinkedIn and never came back. So guess who's going on ignore? I don't know why people do that. I mean, I think it's fun to try again with a group and fail once or twice and then succeed. Yeah, beyond that, I can see leaving and saying, you know, maybe we did need a different group makeup or You know, you never know how effective some of your colleagues are being, but to die once and give up immediately, that's really unfortunate. Uh, They're depriving themselves of the satisfaction of collaborating with a group to achieve a goal, which is one of the best things you can do in the game. Uh, Besides that, um, Björning did uh, some quests in Ylworth, Um, did the the quest where the kids are looking for their sword, and the sword was taken by the friend, and the friend dropped the sword, and then the dog took it, and then the orc killed the dog and took it, and then the dragon killed the orc and took it, and that leads you to cleaning out the worm cleft in the Itwash Vale, which I think is a fun sequence. And uh, I've leveled enough where I might be ready to continue the epic line in Snowborn. Um, The mobs were red, and I think they're orange now, so might be ready to move on, and soon be moving to Hitbulb. I'm actually looking to doing some of the, looking forward to doing some of these old uh, hit bold instances. There were I think either 16 or 24 of them to choose from, uh, something like that. It was significant, and uh, you know, the, of the many instances, not not all the quests. Some of them were obviously not many instances, but looking forward to revisiting some of those after a couple years now. It's been. So my minstrel is next in queue for Eastern Gondor. She is the only one that has not uh, achieved the uh, last class trade point for Ashes and Stars quest line. I'll talk a little bit about that later. My Cappy returned to Stoke in Eastern Rohan and a little bit uh, Western Rohan, and a little bit more on why for that later. My lore, va- my lore master got to the culverts of the end of Ashes and Stars and is queued for the Dome of Stars uh, quest. Um, he was the only one that I had that uh, emptied most of the quests on the way into the culvert, so I might work on rep for him for the port that you can get, since he should be closer than the others. He did pretty well in Usgiliath overall. Um, just once or twice, got in some bad pulls with a knockback, and you know pulled some pathers and had seven or eight guys, and ding, you're done. But but uh, gen- and generally speaking, did pretty well overall in Usgiliath. And uh, I think I had either a lynx or uh, a bear out for most of that time and, and did, you know, for a squishy class, did pretty well in a dense area. It definitely helps a lot to know where you're going so that you don't get You know, stuck if you're running through stuff instead of fighting it, you don't get stuck in a dead end. And you can, you know, I don't care if I've got eight trailers on me as I hit the culverts and go through the portal wall, Uh, you're into the house of healing or into the palace of Eldakar because on the other side I'm clean. So as long as you know where you're going, you don't get stuck. It helps a lot. So the Berg has been getting most of my attention the last couple weeks. He uh, has been moving through central Gondor. He's mostly garbed in Matham armor from Hobbit presents, including including one piece of fine um, Matham armor that uh, gave me from a Hobbit present that gave me 150 vitality upgrade plus over with that 1,000 morale on it. So pretty nice piece. Um, he got the class trade points from Ringlow Vale, Neal, Lebanon and Pilar Gear. Um, ran the Pilar Gear big battle six man. I led that and. Uh, Did the Eastern Gondor Epic quest line, basically skipping most of the side quests all the way to the culverts. And ran the Sunken Labyrinth uh, and uh, Ruined City Tier 1 on level 50. So first of all, a couple things about this. Why did I run on level 50? Well, if I put out a call on level 100 and I didn't get a response, I wanted to move through and get the quest line done. I can always run the instance later. I've talked about that before. Um, In the Sunken Labyrinth, the bird does not have any run speed boosts, so I needed to bring some coffee with me, which fortunately I had, in order to be able to pull all the levers to get through the first gated area. Um, And as far as the... the, uh, The Ruined City instance goes So I was not looking forward to doing The Ruined City on the Berg Even at level 50 Just because there's so many mobs to cut through And the Berg does not have a lot of AoE It's mostly single target DPS So I was going to have to In some of these areas where you get ganked by 10 guys I was going to have to kill them off One at a time It was going to be very time consuming However, <laughs> one of the things I discovered in running the berg through as a solo through the ruined city is that I was able to stealth through the majority of the mobs in the instance without engaging with them. So basically I chased down the mysterious figure all the way through with without almost any fighting. I think I did stop and do some of the fights because, uh, one thing you can do with the Ruined City and with the other one as well is if you pick up some of the, um, repeatable quests from the culverts, you can get those done in a level 50 instance. So killing 16, level 15, level 50 Haradrim takes like no time at all. It's an easy way actually to burn through some of those repeatable quests. Um, if it's just, uh, the Haradrim one and, Oh, gosh, what's the other one? I think there's one for um, troll executioners, and there's one other uh, having to do with orcs that I was able to finish off in the level 50 instances, and as a quick way to get those repeatables done. I don't think that's an exploit, but uh, you might want to get it done before Turbine says, hey, you don't want to be able to do that. <laughs> so anyway, um yeah, I was able to stealth my way through almost the whole ruined city. Uh, you know, I didn't get any chests that way, but I got to the end and then just killed the guy in the end. So, it was a pretty convenient way to do that with a berg. And uh, it echoes one of the the things I wanted to talk about with the berg this week in solo play, is that the berg did extremely well in Asgillia. I mean, next to my guardian who can run in and take on twenty. NPCs at a time and wipe out a whole area. Obviously, that's a lot more lucrative and uh, it's a lot more satisfying in terms of combat, but in terms of navigating as Gileath, the berg has it hands down, and let me tell you why. Uh, first of all, in mounted combat, the berg has a, has, a, has a skill called Stratagem, which uh, allows them to disguise themselves. Basically, it looks like they put on General Talug's armor on the back of their horse, and i would used this skill lots before in open field combat, uh, basically allows you to approach your first mob and attack them and get a get a greater critical chance and they don't have a time to react. You can hit them from behind which has bonus damage, etc. So it's, it's a starter skill for the bird. But what I never realized before is how effective the stealth component is because I'd never used it in that capacity. So if you put on Stratagem as a burg in mounted combat, you can run through the whole freaking city of Azgilead with nothing spotting you. If you don't get stuck or lag right next to a mob for a couple seconds, you can prance through the whole city like you own the joint. So there are some quests, obviously, um, getting through you know the finding of the rangers and some of the things they ask you to do where you have to kill some mobs, which the berg can do. But for the most part, you don't have to work your way through the city to find the ranger. You just ride right up to them, which is extremely simple and fast. So I actually found the berg um, a lot of fun in his Um You know, I think you can get through it 90% of the time without aggroing anything. And... Uh, you know, unless you get stuck or linger right next to a mob, you're basically golden. Between that and, and you know, and stealthing to walk past mobs when I had to, is the fastest I completed all the quests to find the four rangers and the stuff they ask you to do of any tune that I'd use. Even faster than killing everything with a guard. So, um, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, my burg also returned to Stoke briefly. More on that later. And um, did some Merkwood skirms with a relatively high degree of lag with some 12-man scrades. Uh, so one run we did, I told you before that these are popular, at least on my server, uh, to try to farm crystals for your legendary items. And there is a slight advantage to having three Amphilast Starlight Crystals on a level 100 legendary item before you... Um, before you imbue it, as far as I'm concerned, or from what I've understood. So I'm definitely trying to farm crystals before I imbue some of my level 100 items on my alts. And um, in one run of uh, Breaching the Necromancer's Gate, I think we had six crystal drops and a one age level, you know, first age level 100 symbol as well, and the end chest. So that's not bad for a single scrain. I even got one of them myself. Uh, so I've got uh, basically a berg at this point has all the trade points they're going to get aside from big battles. And I need to go back and deed. So I looked at my virtues. They're a little bit of a mess, unfortunately. So I'm not looking forward to slayer deeds on a berg. It's just not his forte with very few AoE or range skills. So they might be a little bit painful. But I think most of my virtues are ranging from... Level seven through level fourteen, and that's just not good enough. When you think about it, uh, it's probably a better bang for a buck to build those up than it is to earn class trade points. So, time to go back and pay the pump, the the piper on this tune. Most of the rest of them are in good shape. Uh, the other thing I noticed with my berg is I stopped off at a skirmish uh, camp to um, to check my uh, to check my soldier. Because I don't think I'd looked at him in a while. And all of his skills were back, I think, in level 30 or 40 or something like that. So I think I spent, I don't know, five or 6,000 skirmish marks uh, leveling up my Berg Soldier and all of his skills and trading him out. Not quite to level 100 across the board, but pretty close. Um, so they start out at five or six skirmish marks a piece per upgrade, and by the end, if if you want to go from level like 96 to 98, and 98 to 100, it's more like 500 skirmish marks, so I got a lot more bang for the buck getting the lower levels, and I got them big enough, well enough improved that it should help a bunch. <coughs> Berg is the only tune I use a protector on, because, um, I want him to demand some aggro and turn their backs to me so I can pick off the guys that he's fighting. Uh, not popular in its grades, but... Decent for soloing as long as you control how far forward he is from you going forward. Uh, my hunter leveled a few quests around Allberg, but that's pretty much it for what I've done with my tunes this weekend game. So let's move forward to our fourth beacon, Everlast. In Everlast this week, another semi serious topic before we get on to the more fun stuff. We're going to talk about class trait point sources, and why have I? St- why do I want to start talking about class trait point sources this week? Um, well, I've been focusing on them to tell you the truth. Um, I decided, you know, as I looked through my class trait point totals for some of my tunes, I couldn't figure out why they why they were not up to. Seventy-five in some cases, or seventy-three in some cases, depending on whether they had done big battles. I seemed to have a point missing here or there, and I decided that you know enough was enough, and it was time to basically uh, get organized around figuring out who had achieved what and what was left outstanding for some of my alts. So I created a spreadsheet and uh, built out the spreadsheet on all the class, tr- class trade points available in the game um, as of right as of update sixteen which are 75, and I listed each type of point and how it could be accumulated, and then I went through most of my tunes. I still have to do some of my lower-level alts, but all of my level 100 tunes and most of my higher-level tunes to to figure out which ones had been achieved and where I was missing some. So uh, I thought I would talk a little bit about some of those uh, class trade point sources while I was focused on it this past week. So basically, you can achieve trade points through leveling, um, the formula is your level minus 5 divided by 2 is equal to the base points you can get from leveling. So I'm level 100, minus 5 is 95, divided by 2 equals 47 class trade points that I can get from leveling currently. Uh, so at level 65, you can get 30 points. At level 85, you can have 40. level 95, you can have 45 base points. And at level 100, you get 47 total from leveling. Um in addition to the 47 base points, there are 15 class trade points that are required by completing class deeds, which are unique for each class. So let's talk about those 15 class trade points you get from class deeds. First of all, there's eight class meta deeds, which award one class trade point each. And these are the ones that you do from executing certain skills specific to your class. Uh, 100 times, 150 times, 200 times, sometimes multiple hundreds of times. For example, the berg has to pick an orc's pocket. I think it's 150 times successfully. And so um, when you do, uh, it's usually three skills that are grouped together. And when you do all three of those skills, you get the class trait point attributed to that one. And there's a total of eight of those. So having to do with 24 general class skills. There are three legendary books Three legendary books that award one class trade point each, um, available at level 45, so those three points. Um, completing the level 50 class quest chain earns you a point. Obtaining Kindred with the Iron Garrison Guards and reading their book earns you a point. That's a minimum of level 58. Completing the six epic books for the minds of Moria in the epic uh, tab uh, earns you a point. Encourage people to keep going through Moria. And completing level 58 class queen chest also earns you a point. I think the, the outlier for that is the Björning doesn't have that one. He gets it from a different source, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, there's two points available from earning promotion points from Epic Battles. I've got one tune that has both those points, my man Brag, and one tune that has one of those points, and the rest that have like none. <laughs> Shows you how much I run big battles. Um, Now that they have Pilar gear, and so there's more sources for the points to earn medals, it's easier to do than it was before. I could see working at getting 100 points on most of my tunes, and maybe even more of them over time, that even one more big battle, getting 200 could be pretty easy, actually, if you're willing to work at it. Uh, Let me see, so then there's five regional quest chains in West Rohan, earning five points total. Uh, one in Kingstead, one in the Eastfold, one in the Broadacres, one in the Stone Deans, and one in the Westfold, which takes you to Helm Deep, Helm's Deep. There's then four regional quest chains in Central Gondor for earning four points. Uh, Ringlavel, Doranil, Labinen, and Pallardier. So West Rohan and Central Gondor are the places for class trade points in terms of regions. You get one also for completing Volume 4, Book 2, time to dance. Don't want to lag out on the Elhides. Um, And there's also one point for completing the quest line of Ashes and Stars, which includes completing the two three-mans at least on tier one, although you can do them at level 50 if you can't find groups to do them as a group. So let's add those up. 47 from leveling, 8 from class deeds, 3 from cleaning legendary books, one from pair of class quests available at 45. One from Moria Class Quest Chain of 58. One from reading a legendary book from the Harrison Guards. One from completing volume 2 book 6 of the Epic from Moria. Two from Epic Battles. Five from West Rohan. Four from Sentolgondor. One from completing book 2 of the Epic. One from Gleaning SSR's and Eastern Gondor. For a total of 74 total trade points as of update 16. So I've got one tune that has 75 points. And the nice thing about achieving 75 is that uh, if you're specializing in one trait in your tree, um, that leaves you just enough points to get down basically to, I want to say, like the third level of an, an, um, a parallel tree, which enables you typically to get a skill that you would only have in another trait line that's hidden behind a number of points that you have to have in that tree. So typically getting 75 is helpful. In helping you achieve kind of one extra skill that you would normally have if you were if you were a different trait line, so it is nice. So in summary, this is a little ridiculous. I've ranted before that they need to revamp and tie the system to certain types of meta deeds that help preserve choice in how you want to level. <coughs> Why force everyone to do six books of Moria, Western Rohan, and Central Gondor to get all their class trade points? those areas of the games are going to get really tired. Maybe I'd rather level an Eastern Rohan, but the reward just isn't there for me. If they're going to be all over the place about how you earn these points, they should at least help us track it. We need an in-game tracker. That is my point. I should not have to create a spreadsheet for my toons indicating where I had the points and where I didn't, especially those that work with alts. Um I think this this in-game tracker should be a fourth tab of the traits panel that you can flip to to see which of the class trait points available you've achieved. So I did an audit with my spreadsheet, and I found in two cases, my Berg and my Captain, that the capstone quest for the Broadacres was not complete. Uh, So I went back and finished that. It took all of 20 minutes, maybe, um, five or six quests on the two characters I needed it on each. And why did I miss those? Well, if you remember, Rohan is a complicated storyline. And there's an instance where you can't complete additional quests in the Broadacres until you finish what's going on in in Woodhurst, I think. And then you basically have to go back. Well, guess what? I forgot to go back with those tunes and finish that off because it wasn't evident that I needed to do that. Um, So that's a problem. And I also had trouble in the past, I remember, with the Kingstead quest. Uh, I've heard other people mention this as well, where they didn't get the Kingstead class trade point because there's a quest where you have to, with Yo, that, uh, Eowyn that that hides, basically you have to go talk to her handmaiden in the Golden Hall, and she gives you a little extra quest before you leave for Dunharrow. And if you don't find that one, then you don't get that class trade point either. So I understand you need to preserve the sequence of the story to have it make sense in some cases. All the more reason for an in-game class trait point tracker. Thank you, Turbine, for including that in update 17. Lobbying for it. Alright, enough of this serious business. Let's move on to beacon number five. Min <coughs> Rimon! And now the original word from our sponsor segment. Are you old, fat, and forgetful? Do you feel like butter scraped across too much bread? Join the club. Four out of five minstrels attribute these conditions to the polyunsaturated fats present in the ordinary butter you slather on your cram biscuits daily. But now you can have all the flavor without the guilt by using Barleyman's i can not believe its not butter That's right. Barleyman's i can not believe its not butter is so creamy, so delicious, all your cares will melt away, including nagging wizards who can't be bothered to deliver their own damn messages. So, don't be a slow coach. Try Barleyman's I Can't Believe It's Not Butterbur today. Note contains illustra, which may cause retching and hives in some races with weaker constitutions, i.e. elves. That brings us to the sixth beacon of Kalanhad. And this week in Kalanhad, we have a very special segment. One that we've been contemplating for the last week or two. We even tweeted about it to give some people some heads up that it might be coming. Um, I am an admirer of the effort that's been put forward by the Lotro Players News organization in creating, in collaboration with other Lotro players, Middle Earth Lore. And uh, the first two episodes have debuted, The Shire and Bree. And uh, it occurred to me that um, there is an alternative narration for The Shire, which can occur if one is inebriated. So uh, what I intend to do, I'm going to cut the tape here for a couple minutes. I'm going to go to my Moria keg. I'm going to drink maybe 15 or 20 beers. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to uh, create a new narration for Middle-Earth Lore, the first episode of Middle-Earth Lore, The Shire. And uh, I'm going to have Grima cut this for me, smoothly Grima. Um, And we're going to call this Drunken Middle-Earth Lore, The Shire. And the intention here is for you to, uh, I know some of you viewers out there, and (laughs) for once, you're going to be viewers you know, you may be listening via car, but the intention for this segment is for you to go out to YouTube, create more listens and plays for Endang's channel, and play Middle Earth: Lower the Shire <clears throat> simulcast with this podcast, so that you have the visual of their video combined with my audio, and uh, we'll see how they match up. This is a great experiment. So I'm going to go drink my little dwarven butt off, and dry grime up. I want you to be very careful, and I want you to cut this very smoothly so that there's no... And I'm back. And I've muddled my wits. I've been drinking, and it's time for a very special episode of Drunk Middle-Earth Lore from the Shire. So, here we go. Grimey, you better get this right. I'll kick your butt. Ugh. Okay, so let's get ready. I'm going to tell you when to start the video, and then we're going to follow along. And three, two, one. All right, hit, hit, hit. Viewers, hold on. Viewers, you got to start viewing, okay? Press play. Okay. Oh, hang on. I got to turn off the stuff. That's not going to work. That's too loud. We gotta turn off the sound. And how are you gonna hear me if you're listening to Brass Wolf? That's not good. Uh, down, down, down. Alright. Let's try wait. Oh no, wait, wait. Okay. Ready? Counting down. Three, two, play. Hey guys! High five! Ew! Elves! Orcs! Uh, hobbits! Nah. dwarves! Woohoo! Balrog! Boo, boo! All right. This is CNN. Um, Middle-earth lore. Okay. So this is gonna be great. So this is hobbits and they're fishing. And he doesn't even have a string on his fishing pole. So he's just kind of waving it over. He's not going to catch anything that way. So here's the Hobbit. Um, the Shire. And um, it's pretty. It's like rainbows and puppy dogs. And like butterflies and stuff. And um, it's it's beautiful. If you like that kind of thing, I guess. I don't know. So there's the Kingdom of Arnold that with all these ruins and stuff that used to be there, Hey, I, I farmed there. I'm a master farmer. So there were, there were three kingdoms. It was Arthur, Dur, Rhubarb, and Cardigan. But there was nobody there. Woo! Where'd everybody go? I don't see them. Where were they? Wait, this is Anadwaith. I know this place, mwag So they were living there or Mirkwood or someplace, probably in a bunch of holes in the ground or something. I don't know. So they were dancing. Oh, how they danced under the moonlight. The fact that it was in danger of being trampled by hobbits tends to understate the hugeness of the object. So the hobbits divided into three litters. There were hoarfoots, stools, And the formaldehydes. So the Whorefoots danced a lot, you know, and, like, slapped each other. And and they founded Weatherstock. So they went into convention and visitor bureau business, I guess. I don't know. And the the stools hung out on the river. And they used to go tubing up and down the Brunin. They had a badass speedboat. pretty cool. And then there were the formaldehydes. They planted the party tree. There it is. And then they used to run the show, boss everyone around. Nobody really liked them anyway. So that's the way that goes. More ale. Now, the people in Gondor, they didn't really give two squirts about the halfling. So they gave them the Shire in three conditions. They said one, first of all, we need a pretty hefty security deposit. Two, you're never allowed to wear shoes. And three, horsey rides seventy copper pieces in perpetuity, in in for good. So the hobbits didn't like that, so they formed unions and they like dumped garbage in the cities of Arvadui and messed it up. So. And the hobbits ran their own stuff with a thane in charge. I don't know why they didn't call him a king. They called him a thane. Hey, look, the inklings. Those guys are cool. So since nobody ever cared about the Shire, there wasn't much to do. And eventually they just appointed a mayor to show up at fairs and parties and stuff and hang out in front of the place. Um, Oh, and he... Sometimes he sent the mail, so he he used to go to the parties and mac on all the little hobbit lasses and stuff. It wasn't very cool, but he was also a bounder. And I got the same title, and I did like way more stuff than he did to get it too. I like cleaned up the whole shire. Hey, they all got funny hats. What's I want one? I have that hat. So they should not be drinking on duty. That's not cool. That's a joke. But they didn't have to do much since it was really the Dune. It was the Dinadune that was like watching over stuff. So the Hobbits just stood around, and the Rangers were cool. They would like you know hide out in like little trees and keep watch. But where the heck were all the Dines? So the hobbits were partying, they didn't get any, so they got miffed, so they took off. And then all these whole army of orcs showed up. And where are the rangers when you really need them? or any place. This is terrible. So, ooh, cool statue. That must have scared the orcs away. The guy's got a chainsaw there. So they fought the hobbits and they were stepping on feet, biting toes, and whacking kneecaps and stuff. Mm, you know, orcs didn't like that, but, you know, hobbits would punch them in the man parts. So, wait a minute. They were done. They taught the orcs how to play golf, and the orcs became Scotsmen. So, that's how Scotland was formed, I'm pretty sure. That's why they talk like that. So, wait wait a minute. This isn't the Shire. It's all cold and stuff. This, this must be Forkel. What are we doing here? We're talking about the Shire. This isn't from this isn't from Lothro I call foul. This is not in Lotro. Even the hobbits refuse to live there. Look, look, they're all sleeping in protest. You're so lazy. So Gandalf's a big busybody telling everybody what to do and he shows up and he, he tries to move into the Shire like take over. <coughs> Sorry. He was, moves into Bag End. That's Bag End. I've been there. And he uh, moves in and he tries to eat all Bilbo's food, but he, he wouldn't have any of it. So Bilbo said, no dice. So instead, they they went off on an adventure. I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> I love that line. It's funny. Stuff. So they slayed the dragon and stuff. It was really easy. But the important part was they really pissed off this dude named Gollum who was minding his own business in his cave. So after Bilbo, like, broke into his house and stole his stuff and left him heartbroken, our so-called hero gets to retire with those no-good elves and Rivendell. So... He used to hang out with them and stuff, and they thought he was cool because he would, like, you know, tell them stories. So even Elrond wouldn't leave his library for that, but you can't blame him, really. So those guys, what are we back in Goblin Town for? (laughs) Wait, now we're in the Rift. I love this place. This place is so cool. Isn't this the Rift? Freaking awesome. So... Ugh, what happened here? This is getting gross. I don't know. So, anyway, in the end of the day, Saren sent this heavy metal band to go find Bilbo and bring him to justice. Meanwhile, back at Bank End, boy, this this place is huge. That's a bachelor pad. I bet Bilbo had some serious... Well, there's Lotho and Lobelia. They tried to help out, like, after... They were gone by growing extra food in the farms here and hiring on some external contractors. These guys, they work at very reasonable rates, I think. So, anyway, meanwhile, Frodo went to Rivendell with Parsley, Sage, and Rosemary, those three guys. And they all said, Woohoo, road trip. Let's do it. Let's head out. It's cool. No women on the trip. You notice that, Tokian, doesn't like women. So Frodo and Sam got stuck with Gollum, who, like, drove all the chicks away. He was totally lame. Look at him. How are you going to score with him? So they pushed him into the cracks of doom, (laughs) and he ended up, like, extra crispy, like the Colonel's secret recipe chicken. Here he goes. Woo! I'm fine. Oh, I'm toast. Sorry, dude. But... He did take the ring with him, which was cool. Hey, that's Angmar. I've been there. I got the key to prove it. But anyway, Blue kicked the bucket. Yay! So the hobbits go back to the shire, and they're acting weird. And the bouncer was like, no, nah, not letting you in. Not without valid identification. Then he's like, I'm so out of here. So there was, like, a lot of finger pointing and stuff. And they were, like, nasty toinings, tauntings, and... They were like riding their horses through the gate. That's that's a cool scene. Well done there. So then they were like, "Hey, I'm gonna take you on," and man men are like, uh uh-uh, uh and stuff. And then the hobbits. The uh, the the there was another big fight. Basically, here they come, Sharky. And then the hobbits are chicken. All they do is fire arrows because there's no good melee. So chicken hobbits. So all the guys took off. They're like, I'm not dealing with this. These guys are crazy. There. So then the hobbit gangs, like, ran through the streets, like, eating every pie they could find and burning stuff. And eventually, like, Sharky's men had no desserts left, and they had to leave. Because, yeah, all the pie was gone That sucked So He forgot his flag I'm Sorry, that's too bad So eventually uh, Hobbits browbeat some poor old dude Yeah He was minding his business again Hobbits are troublemakers So then Um then the old guy fish slapped him. Look, oh, got him right in the face. And I, hey, is that Grimer? What's Grimer doing there? <laughs> hey, Grimer, can't did the video. Oh, he kicked you. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, what are you doing, man? You kill, you killed him. That was a bit of an overreaction, I think. That's take it easy, dude. I mean. It's a kick. You, you can't do that. You can't, like, just kill a guy. Ew, is that, like, gas coming out of his butt? Ew. So, after that, um, the hobbits, you know, had to clean up the party. They didn't like that. They're not good at that stuff. But they started planting elf trees, which, like, completely ruined everything because they, like, glow at night when you're trying to fall asleep. And, um, yeah, looked like Lothlorian, not the Shire. So, Gondor went back to not giving two squirts about what the Hobbits were doing. Hey, hey, look, the Gondor banner remote. Someone's been hanging around pull our gear. I have, I have that thing. So, the Hobbits got back to their ultra exciting action pack lives, fishing and buggering each other and stuff. And, yeah, there they go, fishing. Gee, they can't swim either. So um, next time we'll go somewhere important maybe, like Bree or something. So here's all this cool stuff you can click. There was, like, about a 1,000 people that worked on this thing. Look at all his names. It's really cool. All those people are awesome. But it only took one drunk dwarf to make fun of it. And that's all we got for this first edition of Drunken Middle Earth Lore. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to my Patreon campaign, which is empty because I don't get any money from anybody. (laughs) Okay, that's enough. Let's cut back to let's oh it's um We need a beacon. Let's close this thing out. There we go. Much better. Halifurion. Blessed relief. It's the end of the 41st episode. We're coming up on 42, so we should do something special. But probably just too much dwarven apathy going around. So in honor of my next episode being the venerated 42, we'll be answering the question of what is the meaning of Lotro, the universe, and everything? Don't miss it. So you can, like, give me stuff. You can contact me. Brag is two A's. Uh, the second one stands for All Right Already. Facebook, Twitter, you don't do that. No one does that. But you can go to Light the Beacons and put a comment on the podcast. <laughs> um, can you please give me an iTunes review? I try really hard. Nobody does really iTunes reviews. Um, so I hope you laughed either at or with my drunk butt. I hope you might have learned at least a little something and looked at things different with Drunk Middle-Earth. Or, and I hope you have a good week in Middle-Earth. This is Bragg, Son of Balance, signing off. Barukazad, kazad And remember, the next time an unexpected bleed kills the last warg with one piece of meat left in the worg pens for challenge mode... Don't despair. Light the beacons. I must have written that part when I was sober. I don't know what I'm talking about. Grima, uh, get me uh, uh, a salt. I need a yeah, Pepto-Bispo. Thanks, guys. It was good to talk to you next time. Bye.